Hey everybody, today we're talking to Nelson Knight, president of Apple Hospitality Reed. Everybody knows Apple, they're a big player in our industry, but I wanted to talk to them because they're a publicly traded company and therefore have lots of publicly accessible data that we can dive into. Wanted to ask Nelson a bunch of pointed, candid questions and see if he'd be honest with us. Uh, the questions obviously are, what's the solvency? What's the liquidity? What do you plan to do with all your cash? Uh, and what issues are you having today that maybe we can learn from? Uh, hope you enjoy it. I did. Thanks. Nelson, how are we doing? Thanks hey. for joining me today. I appreciate the time. Hey, it's great to be with you, Teague. Appreciate you uh, inviting me on uh, Teague Talks. So, uh, where are you? And you're looking great. I like the sport coat. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thanks, man. Uh, you like the uh, home done haircut as well? So, is that so a, I haven't gotten a barber. Yeah, it's a joint effort between my wife and myself. Uh, good for you. So where are you? You at the office? You at the house? Uh, so I'm, I'm at my home actually today, working from home. Um, I've split my time between the office and home, but spent the majority of, uh, majority of the time in the office. But today just felt like a good, good day to be working from home. How are, nice you, how are you as a homeschool teacher? Uh, you know what? I am not a great homeschool teacher. I have uh, I have four little kids, including one that's going to be going to uh, to kindergarten next year and is trying to learn how to read this summer. And uh, and yeah, let's just say um, I am grateful that I married up, and uh, and my wife is doing a fabulous job in their instruction. So um, fortunately, I think I don't know when your kids get out of school, but but um, my two older kids got out of school this past weekend and. And, uh, and are ready for summer break. All right, so let me dive into the portfolio and the COVID impact, because that's the other questions everyone has. So if my stats are right, you guys currently have 233 hotels, over 30,000 rooms uh, in 34 different states, uh, 87 different markets, uh, and 12 brands. So you got a lot of diversity, and I think that's part of why we wanted to talk today. Everybody knows who Apple is in our industry. You guys have a lot of different hotel types across the country. So we'd like to hear what kind of impacts you're having. So maybe start with what kind of impact you're having, but what kind of closures did you have to do at the peak? What do those numbers look like and what does reopening look like? Okay, yeah, happy to talk about that. You know, as we look, Teague, um, one of our brand, one of our corporate strategies and pillars is, is to be um, broadly geographic diversified. We're the largest, as you mentioned, uh, with 233 hotels. Where that makes us the largest select service um, publicly traded REIT out there right now. And um, and we've ultimately been able to leverage our operating model of select service properties in a way that's allowed us to remain open at all of our properties, um, with the exception of one hotel that we ultimately closed for a brief period of time in April, our Carolina Beach Courtyard, which government mandated us to close. Um, we've since reopened that property and it's actually one of our better performing hotels given its leisure demand um, drive to nature uh, of, of the property. Um, but um, by and large, you know, we, we've been able to um, limit our staffing models at, uh, at each of our properties to um, support uh, the low occupancy modes that we're in and in, in markets that we have multiple properties we've been able to cluster those hotels so in uh you know 
in markets such as Cape Canaveral, uh, Florida, which we own three hotels, uh, Homewood Suites and a combo Hampton Inn and Home Two portfolio, we've been able to essentially flex the inventory of rooms based on the demand in the market. So when we opened up the uh, the combo property, the, the Home Two Hampton Inn, in early April, we actually opened, but um, we're just accepting reservations and pushing those to the Homewood Suites. Um, because of the shuttle launch that occurred last weekend, um, demand picked up. We were able to flex our inventory, open up the combo hotel, um, as well as the Homewood Suites, and uh, and and drove uh, you know really good occupancies during that period of time. And we have other markets that we've been able to cluster and do that same um, strategy, where we've been able to flex, um, essentially based on what the demand uh, is generating in. The particular market. So let's move on. Let me talk about uh, if you've seen any difference, um, not necessarily amongst brands from the operations and not necessarily amongst brands, but uh, from the chain scale, from the product type. Uh, have you seen any improvement from, you know, extended stay? We're hearing a lot is extended stay is doing better than your daily ones, suburban, doing better than urban, that kind of stuff. Any, any tendencies you can share with us? Yeah, I think all of those points are, are accurate at this point. Um, you know, our our portfolio mix is roughly 33% uh, extended stay. Um, those properties have been uh, outperforming on a relative basis, um, our other uh, assets. But really, uh, we feel as though we're poised to, to benefit disproportionately to some of our full service peers uh, just given the fact that um, we're in uh, a select service box that has fewer rooms to fill, um, has a, a more lean operating model, and um, and historically has led and paved the way through a recovery. You know what we're seeing um, is is a preference towards the value proposition that that uh, brands like Hilton and Marriott offer through their um, guests. Um, and and really a, a, a desire to look at the extra space that an extended stay hotel might offer, or um, you know the fact that uh, with with restaurants closed or or limited access to restaurants, the ability to cook in room, all of those things are I think are are leading to you know an outperformance on the extended stay side at this point in time. Yeah, again, right in line with things that we're hearing. Um, are you seeing any difference in the uh, uh, markets, you know, like, you know, suburban, urban, and dare I ask what your best property is? You told us the closed down hotel, so maybe that was the worst property performer through this, but any trends there? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, what we're seeing right now is suburban, uh, is, is outperforming urban at this point. Um, you know, roughly 80% of our, of our portfolio um, falls outside of the urban core markets, and and we're seeing, um, you know, uh, uh, on a relative basis, an outperformance on suburban assets versus urban core uh, properties, and and really uh, those drive to leisure type markets are doing well in states that have relaxed some of their um, uh, travel restrictions. So if you look at kind of the Sun Belt market, uh, Sun Belt states right now. Um, are are in general doing um, you know, better than uh, than you know, other 
states. And, and that's in large part one because of some of the, the government restrictions being lifted, but also you know, many of those states just haven't been as hard hit as, as others um, with the, within the pandemic. Move on. Let's talk the financial side of this piece because this industry, because I think that's a really big piece. Uh, dare I say the debt and the equity. Uh, right. The questions that everyone's asking now, right? Especially looking at publicly traded companies, but okay, all companies. There's liquidity, and then there's solvency, right? So you guys currently have a billion and a half dollars worth of debt uh, across all lines. Uh, and you just pulled down on your $425 million on uh, your revolver. So you've got that in cash. Uh, talk to, let's start with the debt. Uh, are your lenders working with you? I'm assuming by the nature of whom you are, you're having better conversations than maybe the guy out there with one or two properties, but maybe not because it's CMBS. So what kind of dialogue and success are you having with your lenders? Yeah, you know, I think by and large, the lenders have been uh, good to work with thus far. Uh, a big differentiator for us is the fact that of our 233 hotels, um, only 31 of them have CMBS debt on them at this point in time. So, um, you know, historically, we've taken a very conservative approach um, to the leverage that we were willing to put on our portfolio and really wanted to maximize the flexibility of our balance sheet um, to help create stability in all um, cycles. And so um, it, that's helped in those conversations. Um, the fact that um, you know, we just don't have as many encumbered assets, um, it, it, it certainly helped. Um, you know, as we've had our conversations, you know, as of the end of at the end of the quarter, you know, we were up to date on all of our um, payments and we hadn't tripped any of our debt covenants. And, and um, you know, I, I think that bodes well for our position or our ability to be able to negotiate and, and, um, and modify some of the debt covenants that we have. And, and we're in the process of doing that right now. And um, you know, you've seen other um, public REITs come out with, with um, you know, their um, debt terms, you know, I would anticipate that we would be in a similar um, position as they are in terms of what type of relief we'll, we'll be receiving in, in the near term. Yeah, you mentioned your, uh, your, your low leverage position. And, you know, my numbers show compared to your competitors, you guys are, you know, 58% liability to the gross asset value and which is pretty close to industry low and some of the other guys on the high end are you know 90 95 97 98% leverage right. so you guys are in a really good position there yeah if you look um going into so pre covid we were like three just over three times debt to ebitda um and so really um yeah as we and and that's the metric we focus on the most but um that was uh, historically, um, you know, one of the best in class among all uh, all of our peers in the in the full service and select service realm, um, and and that really has positioned us uh, and, and differentiates us from a lot of our peers on several fronts. Um, but more importantly, as we look to what it means and and how quickly groups and individuals can become um, cash positive. Um, debt coverage is a big component of that, right? Um, and, and the fact that um, we have 
a lower uh, debt ratio um, compared to our peers and the fact that we're diversified across, you know, right, you mentioned that 87 different markets in 34 states and, and have a, a scaled portfolio. Um, you know, we anticipate that we'll be able to um, achieve that um, break even and ultimately a cash flow positive um, uh, that we'll be able to achieve that quicker than, than some of our peers. So obviously, assuming you like everyone is not cash flow positive today, uh, and to, so hitting on the solvency, how, what's your burn rate currently look like? And therefore, how long do you think you can make it? I'm sure you're doing a lot of math around it right now. So what does that look like if you can share? Yeah, you know, it's, a, it's an interesting question. And, and yeah, the first, um, the first several weeks of the crisis, it was all hands on deck trying to, uh, trying to determine what, what our true cash burns going to be. Um, and, you know, we have some good um, numbers coming out of April and, and ultimately we'll have numbers coming out of May that will help refine it over time. But um, as we've looked at our cash uh, burn right now, we anticipate that we're somewhere in the 18 million a month, assuming a very low occupancy level. So that would be like 15 to 20% occupancy. Um, within those parameters, um, we would be roughly 18 million a month on a cash burn basis, recognizing at the end of the quarter, um, you know, we had, we had 437 million pulled down in cash and, and we believe that we have you know, a, a, a runway sufficient enough to allow us to, to weather this storm and, uh, and, and get um, ultimately uh, uh, back to solvency. So I'm trying to do quick math in my head. You're looking at, uh, I don't know, 20 plus months that you can survive at that burn rate. Is that right? Yeah, and, and we haven't officially published anything, but a lot of our peers have, have put out um, numbers um, in that range. Um, what uh, it's not a linear uh, progression, so it's really difficult to to calculate, right? So as occupancies return, your your F and B may uh, change slightly, um, but but again, we feel um, given what we know today um, that. We have more than enough uh, in cash in to cover our our needs in the near term and and hopefully um, weather the storm. Just given what um, current trend lines are, and I'm assuming I'd, I'd love to see what your models look like. Um, most everyone we're seeing right lows in the ten percents, then up to fifteen percent occupancy, eighteen, twenty, twenty-two. Now maybe even twenty-five percent occupancy. I'm assuming your portfolio is trending along those same lines. Yeah. I'm curious to see what your outlook looked like for the future. Dare I ask, what did Memorial Day look like? Yeah, so um, you know, as we looked at our portfolio, January, February, we were tracking very much in line with our expectations and, and, and our guidance. March, um, beginning was okay. Um, the end, uh, you know, ultimately, uh, when COVID hit and we saw the NBA close uh, its doors and, and you know, all these other groups begin pulling back, I think it was a shock and awe for a period of time. And, and, and really, we were trying to, to figure uh, what we can, uh, you know, how, how, how we should address the COVID crisis. But, um, you know, at our low point, um, 
to date, uh, we were 15% occupancy, and that was in mid or early to mid April. Um, we've been uh, slowly but steadily climbing uh, occupancy since that time. Um, and um, Memorial Day weekend, um, well, for the week of May 23rd, we were at 31%. Um, and so you can see that trend line from 15 to 31. And, and really that trend line has continued um, in the subsequent week uh, in terms of uh, continued uh, growth in occupancy on the margin. I mean, it's, it's baby steps right now, but it's at least no, that's great news. That's great news. I can't believe that I just said 31% occupancy is great news, but <laughs> new normal. So uh, think about the great news. Uh, so let's talk a little bit of the offense strategy. Uh, any chance with the $437 million in cash you got that we're going to find some opportunities and buy some assets? Or we're not there yet. we got to hold it to make sure – we can pay the bills. Yeah, I think as I look at it, I, I think a few things need to happen. First, um, is is becoming cash flow positive. So as we're as we're looking, um, you know, cash preservation is important to us, um, and so um, becoming cash flow uh, positive is an important component. And you know, I think uh, at, for the items I've outlined, um, you know, the fact that we have a lower debt ratio and debt payments, as well as um, being able to spread some of our um, G&A costs across a broader portfolio. I think we're going to hit um, that profitability a lot sooner than some of our peers. And, and at that point, I think you'll begin to see us look to refine our portfolio, similar to what we've done historically. So this year, we um, prior to COVID, we had sold two assets. Um, you had helped us sell one of those assets, so I appreciate that. Um, and we had and we had bought two additional hotels, um, and so we were refining that portfolio. And I think what you'll see in the early stages of the recovery um, is first a, a desire for us to become cash positive, and then a, a refinement, a, a pruning of sorts of our portfolio, and then ultimately, should the capital markets come back, um, the desire and, and ability to to grow. Um, at that point. So let's talk the sell side. I think, uh, you know, dare I say, for all the buyers that are out there saying, when is Apple going to sell me something? Um, when do you see that happening? And I, maybe you're just reallocation of dollars within your portfolio, but when do you see that happening? Um, I, you know, I think for us, what I would like to see prior to us um, uh, looking at any uh, meaningful transactions on the sales side is uh is is a shrinking of the bid ask spread so as as i look at it right now we're we're kind of at the widest point if not um yeah maybe that was a week ago and it's slowly getting a little bit narrower as more information more data is coming out we have a better understanding of what it's going to cost to carry these properties in the near term and how quickly they're going to come to to profitability um, for us, you know, uh, where we're low levered, we're broadly diversified, we have the ability to weather the storm for a period of time. Um, you know, we um, are, are only going to be opportunistic on disposing of assets to the extent that um, you know, it, it, it ends up um, 
providing value ultimately to our shareholders. Uh, I think you're right. And I'll say it so that you, I was going to ask, what do you think the bid ask spread looks like right now? Maybe yeah. I will ask and then I'll answer for you. Uh, you know, you see it as much as I do, but, uh, but you know, it's, it's, it, it's wide. We're not, and I think because it's as wide as it is, we're not seeing a lot of transactions right now. And I think, you know, the frozen debt markets are also, uh, uh, playing a big part in, in the fact that we're just not seeing a lot of transaction at this point. But, but yeah, I mean, we certainly fielded a number of calls on the front end of, of the crisis that were um, very opportunistic in nature in terms of, of how they would value um, particular assets. And, and, you know, we're just not there right now. We have, um, we, we believe in the core product that we own. Um, we believe the select service an extended stay model are going to lead the recovery, and and um, you know I think we're positioned well to um, to have relative to other asset groups in our space, um, you know, a, a quicker recovery. From a transaction standpoint, just stats in March there were eighty eight deals, uh, hotel deals across the entire uh, spectrum. In April there were eight. And in May, I think I saw 11. Right. Well, you know, biasly, we closed one last week. It was a candle, it was a deal under contract pre-COVID that all but died and we, without a retrade, but kept it alive and it closed last week. Right. So there are some getting done. Yeah, there, there's some getting done and, and, and you know, the, the groups that, um, you know, focus on getting to that finish line, I think can get there. Uh, you know, we're still receiving reverse inquiries on the, on a number of our assets and we're exploring opportunities. Um, but it's, it's become increasingly more challenging to underwrite, um, the dispositions in today's environment. And, and I do believe over time that's going to improve, um, uh, as the debt markets return and, as um, you know, we get further into this recovery where we have a better understanding of what um, the operational implications are going to be at these low occupancy levels. All right, let me see if I can't make you uncomfortable. Let's talk about your stock price. Sure. So pre-COVID you were, I don't know, $16 in January-ish, February, uh, up to a low of four forty-eight. Currently trading eleven sixty. I checked this morning. Right. <laughs> I won't ask if you're over. Yeah. Feel like you're overvalued right now, running thirty one percent occupancy. But how do you feel about your stock price today? Yeah, you know, I think as I look at it, it's been choppy uh, for the last um, several months, right? Um, as as the market has tried to. Uh, factor what COVID really means. Um, if you look at it, um, you know, from where we're trading today um, to where we were trading pre-COVID, that represents roughly a 30% a discount. Um, you're not necessarily seeing assets, individual assets trade at that discount today. Um, and, and we've had a number of our um, analysts come out um, favorably on our um, business model 
um, and with price targets that are above where we're trading today. And so I think where the market looks is, is forward. And um, if you look and, and believe in the business model that we are, the select service, broadly geographically diversified, a healthier balance sheet than the majority of our peers and the ability to weather that storm. And, and the fact that, you know, um, uh, leisure and, and business transient is gonna lead and pave the way out of this recovery most likely um, before um, other large box group type commission business, then, then you know, I think that supports um, some of the, uh, some of the reasons uh, why we might be trading where we are. So uh, you guys, like everyone have suspended dividend. Uh, when do you see that coming back? Yeah, on the dividend, out of an abundance of caution, we, we, we pay a monthly dividend and we um, suspended our dividend, dividend um, similar to all of our corporate peers. For us, I think what we want to first see is, is being cash flow positive. That's an important component. And at that point, I think we'll reassess what our dividend policy um, and, and metrics will be. But for, for us first, um, cash flow positives is important. So, so talk about how you see the recovery uh, and maybe ask what you're modeling. Uh, and is it 2023, 22, 24? When are you seeing that full yeah. back, full rev bar? I mean, your crystal ball is as good as mine. I, I think most uh, most industry experts are, are anticipating a prolonged recovery. Um, and I, you know, I think looking at our portfolio um, and how it's positioned relative to um, some of the bigger boxes, I think we'll we'll outperform those uh, through the recovery. But uh, but you know, I. I believe it's going to be more of an extended recovery at this point in time. Uh, I love it. Nelson, this has been great. Uh, I'd love to get you back to uh, Atlanta and go to a Hawks game. Yeah. Uh, do. I don't know when we're going to get to do those that. But I keep asking yeah, when do we get to go back? Yeah, but, uh, put some on him. <laughs> somebody get some influence. Uh, I appreciate you coming. It's tough times we're living in obviously, um, but uh, with companies like you guys and, and leaders like yourself, uh, I appreciate you coming on and sharing your thoughts and just what you're seeing because uncharted times, we got to learn from each other. Yeah. So I don't know when I'll get to see you, but I'm looking forward to it. Well, and I appreciate you putting these together. It's, uh, it's good to see your face virtually and, uh, and just to stay informed and connected in the industry. So appreciate it. Thanks, Nelson. Let's do it again. All right, bye.